Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. You are the King this morning. We thank you for that. Thank you for what you've already been doing in us this morning, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for uh, whatever you've already been doing in us, Lord. I thank you that you're not done this morning. Thank you that we're allowed to be hungry for more this morning. Thank you that as we open up your word, we're not just going to, again, look at words on a page, but we're going to hear from you. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you believe he's good, say amen. Give somebody a high five, a hug, a hello. Go ahead and grab a seat. Amen, amen, amen. Mm. Was that good for anybody else? Hallelujah. Sorry if I made you feel awkward there, but I just couldn't help it. Yeah, I mean, I, I say I'm sorry, but I'm not. But I do love you. You guys ready? Good. You guys ready to keep having fun? Can we keep having fun this morning? Good, 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 good. A few weeks ago, um, I was trying to change the headlights in, in my car because they're really dim. You ever had dim headlights? Super lame when that happens. Dim head- headlights are no fun. And I was switching them out from the, the halogen bulbs that they had, and I was putting in these things called HID. It's like the kind of, kind of bluish, but they're brighter. So I uh, ordered all the parts and everything. We, or I get them installed and everything like that. And after I got them installed, one little thing wasn't working, so I had to uh, look something up online and come to find out it was illegal to put those in my car. So, oops. So that was interesting to find out. Turns out that uh, these HID bulbs, they, they burn a little differently than the, um, the halogen bulbs that I was replacing. And the, the, the housings, like the lenses that the halogen bulbs go into aren't built to withstand the heat of the HID bulbs. You know what I'm saying? So the, the housing wasn't the same. So if you put in HID bulbs, the risk is you, you will like melt your plastic headlights, which that's bad. But then the other thing is it, something about it shining crazy. If it's not like a specific HID housing, you can distract other drivers and get in car crashes, which is worse than melting your headlights. So for both of those reasons, I decided I will take out the HID lights and put in new halogen bulbs and obey the law. Praise the Lord. So I'm replacing these light bulbs where it turns out the, the lenses of the, of the car were, were pretty important as far as what I was, what I was allowed to put, in, put into those lenses so that I could see. And the, the, so the lenses, I had, the lenses I had were important. And I was thinking about lenses, and I was thinking about how we all live with lenses. We all live with lenses. The lenses of the, the light bulbs are built to reflect the light, and it helps, it shapes what I see when I drive. And you all have a lens by which you see life through, that shapes the way that you see life, the way that you shape, the way, or shapes the way that you see things coming down the road, so to speak, right? We've all got, we've all got lenses. Maybe, uh, you know, we've got these lenses like our, your childhood shapes the way you see things. Your, uh, something that's been big is, is skin color. How do, we, how do we talk to one another when our skin colors are different and, and there's just different lenses that come with that? The family you grew up in, all these things sh- are shaped, shape the lens with which you interpret the world around you. Anybody have glasses? Anybody have glasses? You got some lenses in your life, some real, real deal official lenses. Sometimes, you know, just like with glasses, when you, when you change the lens of something, you maybe begin to see something that was there all along, but you didn't see before. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you get glasses, you begin to see new details. It's not that the details weren't there. It's just that you couldn't see them, and you needed a different lens to help you see what was already there. 
when it comes to the lens of your perspective, we can experience kind of the same thing that maybe you experience physically with glasses. We can experience with our own perspectives if we'll, you know, sit down with somebody and listen and try to understand somebody's perspective on maybe an, an issue or a situation that's different, that we have differing opinions on or even disagreements about. How many of you have ever been in a situation where all of a sudden you sit down with somebody who's different, you start to hear their perspective, and you still may not agree, but you say something along the lines of, oh, I see where you're coming from. We may still disagree. We may now agree. I don't know. But, but the lens, a shift in the lens shifts what you see. You say, you know, I never... I never saw it like that. The lenses are important. They're so important. And of, and of course, we all know that you can't post that picture on social media without the right filter, without the right lens. I mean, it's a big deal in our life. How dare you try to post something without the right filter, right? The filter doesn't change what's in the picture. It just changes the way that it's seen. The lens with which you see something shifts what you see when you're looking at it, right? Looking at the same thing, but seeing different things with different lenses. You tracking with me? This morning, we're talking about, talking about some lenses. And last week, I mentioned this earlier, but we, are, uh, we started last week a series that we're doing for a handful of weeks here called A Sense of Revival. And uh, I can sense revival this morning. I don't know about you. Talking about a sense of revival. And uh, we went through two questions mainly last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to it so that you can stay in tune with what's going on in the rest of our few weeks together as we do this. But last week was kind of setting the tone for what's this series going to look like. And there was kind of two questions that, that we dealt with. One is, talking about a sense of revival, but what is revival? For some of, some of you, revival, just the word, you're like, yes, I don't know what that is, but it sounds awesome. Some of you are like, that I don't understand. Would you please explain what you mean? And if we're going to be talking about a sense of revival, we ought to have sort of a working definition, right? So sort of our working definition for revival is the life of God in a broken world. The life of God in a broken world. I can sense that we're going to see the life of God in our broken world when I say we are going to have a, we have a sense of revival. First question we talked about, what is revival? The second question we talked about was, what does revival have to do with you? What does revival have to do with me? We talked about our history and our rich history of revival as a nation, as Christians, and I was encouraged. I was excited. I don't know if you knew all that stuff, but hopefully it encouraged you last week. But what does revival have to do with you? Well, number one, if you're a Christian, you live in a broken world and you have the life of God. That's what revival has to do with you. You're the revival your world's looking for. It's very relevant for you. God is, waiting, not wait, God is not waiting on you to be the next Billy Graham and fill a stadium. I think he's just waiting on you and me to be a Christian and fill our situations. You're a Christian. God is with you. You have a call. On your life, you have a right and you have the ability to live with a sense of revival as a Christian. Amen? And if you're not a Christian, revival is still relevant to you because you live in a broken world and you need the life of God. You were made to be in relationship with God and your sin and my sin is it breaks relationship with God. And we need the life of God in the midst of our brokenness to bring us to the life that he made us to live for. Amen? So regardless of who you are, Revival is relevant in your life. Does anybody have a sense of revival? Good, me and two others. <laughs> what is revival? What does it have to do 
with you. And we talked about how these, this series, we're going to go through our five senses, our five human senses, something that we do understand in our five senses to hopefully make sense and work on working out an understanding of maybe something that's a little, a uh, little less understandable in revival. How can we maybe use our five senses to create in us an understanding of something that maybe is a little difficult to understand? We've got these five senses. And when it comes to seeing revival, we're going to be talking about this morning. When it comes to seeing revival, I think that we talk about revival, we talk about wanting to see revival, we can get caught up in looking for God to do something that we aren't currently seeing, right? It's, I, I, we're looking for revival. We're, we're waiting for God to do something that's not happening right now. Revival is kind of a big word. Maybe it comes off a little theoretical, a little out there, maybe um, a little mystical or just super churchy in some ways, I don't know, but... But I'm, I've been wondering, what if seeing revival isn't so much about waiting on God to do something that he's not doing? What if it's more about letting God shape our lens so that we will see more of what he's doing right now? What if we just need to fix our lens so that we can see what's been happening all along? Maybe it's not just waiting on God to do something. What if we don't need to wait for God to send revival in our life? We just need a new lens to see revival in our life. This morning, I want to title this message, as you can see, The Lens of Revival. The Lens of Revival. Anybody hungry for the Word of God this morning? <laughs> the Lens of Revival. I believe that if we can adjust our lens with which we look at life, we will be amazed at the revival we will begin to see that's been present all along. We'll just shift our lens. Maybe there's more happening. Maybe God's moving more in our life than we can see. We don't need to wait on God to do something new. We just need to shift our lens to see what's been going on all along. We're going to talk about the lens of revival this morning. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to open up to Hebrews chapter 11. Towards the back, Hebrews chapter 11, pull out your phone. Pull out your Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, or if you don't own a Bible, if you'd like a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll have one of our host team members bring a Bible to you where you can keep it for free. Hebrews chapter 11. Does anybody want a Bible? Go ahead and raise your hands. We got them ready for you. Got a couple of oh, Perfect. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I'll bring them. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be this morning. As you turn there, uh, also pull out your notes, your phone, notebook, something like that. We like taking notes in church. Who, who, who are my note takers? Yeah, there's a few. There's a little few more. I can see you. You guys are doing good. <laughs> Pull out your notes. Uh, put a lens of revival at the top of your notes. Hebrews chapter 11. Once you get there, once you got your notes out, I'm just going to go ahead right off the bat and give you the big idea for this morning. You ready for the big idea? The big idea is this. Faith is the lens of revival. Faith is the lens of revival. Talking about the lens of revival, faith is the lens of revival. Hebrews 11, verse 1. You there? Awesome. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's a whopper of a verse. I'm thinking about this big idea that faith is the lens of revival, I think it's helpful that there's a verse in the Bible dedicated completely to faith's definition. I appreciate that. I need stuff like that. Sometimes I see your faith, I'm like, yeah, cool. I think I got some of that. I don't know. <laughs> what is it? The lens of revival now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. 
In our world that we live in, faith, uh, faith can be kind of cool. It's kind of like respected. Faith, having faith in something is, is fairly socially acceptable. You know, if you uh, watch TV or if you hit the streets and ask people, do you have faith in anything? People having faith isn't super uncommon. Faith in themselves. People talking about having faith in themselves. or They're grounded by their faith. They have faith in God. They have faith in humanity. There's faith in love, right? You guys, it's nothing new. You guys have heard all these things before. We have faith in love. Having faith is pretty cool for the most part as long as it's not like faith in Jesus. Let's just not take this Jesus thing too seriously, right? Let's take it seriously. <laughs> faith has kind of gets thrown around in the world that we live in. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's kind of gotten to the point where when somebody talks about faith or if faith comes up in a conversation, the word faith itself kind of doesn't really carry much of a meaning, doesn't really carry much weight. It's kind of become generic and lost any real sense of meaning because it's just become so broadly defined, you know, like we can have faith in anything and I don't know. So that's why I'm thankful for Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, in the midst of this world to bring clarity to what exactly is faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith looks at brokenness and it sees healing. Faith looks at disappointment and it sees hope. Faith looks at a blank slate and sees potential. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And this assurance, this conviction is the lens of revival, the lens of revival. If we want to be a people that see revival, we must look at our lives through the lens of faith. So write that down. If we want to be people that see revival, not just do a series called A Sense of Revival, we want to be people that see revival, we must look at our life through the lens of faith. We've got to be assured of what we're hoping for. We've got to be convicted of maybe what we can't see. I'm praying this morning that God might just clean up our lens a little bit. I'm praying that he'll clean up our lens so that we can not only hope for what he might do someday, but that we might be able to see what he is doing right now. Faith is the lens of revival. Here's the only problem with faith. It's kind of ridiculous and it's really hard. Anybody? Faith is kind of ridiculous and it's pretty hard. I mean, just look at the definition. It kind of sounds ridiculous. If it wasn't in the Bible, it'd be like, eh, I don't know, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it is in the Bible and still it's kind of, there's some weird stuff in there, but... It's kind of ridiculous and it's pretty hard. I mean, it's, we're talking about being assured of what we hope for and convicted of what we do not see, right? So I don't know if you've noticed, but it's like can be really hard to stay hopeful. It can be really hard to stay hopeful. Does anybody else have a hard time every once in a while not looking around and just thinking, we don't have a chance? <laughs> anybody? <laughs> I mean, between 24 hours news and my own tendency to complain, Hope can be a pretty rare commodity in my life at times. I don't, I don't know about you. I don't know if you're like super spiritual, not like me. But hope can be like, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes. Assured of what we hope for. I'm trying to keep my hope. I don't even know what, man, some days it's just trying to find some hope. And having conviction of things we do not see. 
I'm not trying to be insensitive, but honestly, like, don't we generally get prescribed medicine when we're convinced of things we don't see? I mean, it sounds ridiculous. This, this faith thing, hope, hard. Conviction of things not seen, kind of ridiculous. So faith is great, except for the fact that it's a little ridiculous and it's a little hard. I mean, honestly, when we're talking about faith, we're talking about faith in church, and you should talk about faith in church, but if we're honest, what are we even talking about? What are we even talking about? What is this faith? I mean, I remember one time I was, I was praying Spending time with God, and by praying, I, I'm pretty sure I mean complaining. Anybody else? Yeah. All right, cool. We're good at praying, right? <laughs> I was praying slash complaining. I was letting God know that uh, I, I should, at this, at this point in time, I should have been seeing a lot more in my life than I was seeing. I was letting God know. I, I was letting him know there should be a lot more happening in my life than I can see right now. I was talking about, you know, I, I, I've got lots of faith for things to happen, and I'm not seeing these things. I, I'm, I'm being faithful. I've been asking you to grow my faith. I've got all this faith. Why am I not seeing more? And faith, 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 blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm letting God know about my great faith, about how I should see more in my life. And I'm in the middle of my little uh, prayer, <laughs> we'll call it. And I just believe the, the Lord spoke to my heart so clearly in this moment, just this firm but gentle, like he just knows how to do. And, and I just believe the Lord spoke, spoke to my heart and he said, Andrew, you asked me to be a man of faith, not a man of fact. You asked me to make you a man of faith, but it sounds like you want to be a man of fact. I was like, you're right. Again. <laughs> you're right, but I don't know if I get it. You ever had that moment? God says something, you're like, that's true, but I don't understand. I've been asking, I'm, I'm God, I want to be a man of faith. And he said, no, you really just want to be a man, of, a man of fact. I realized in that moment as I thought about it, I was asking God, Lord, grow my faith. Help me be a, a man of faith. I want, to see, I want to see XYZ things, great things. I want to see you do all this stuff. And, but the truth was, I wanted to skip the ridiculous part of faith. I wanted faith, but I wanted to skip the ridiculous part, and I really wanted to skip the hard part, and I just wanted to get to the fact part. Anybody else? Want to skip the ridiculous part of faith? Skip the hard part of faith. Let's just get to the fact part of faith. We get to see that thing we've been believing for. We get to see that thing that hasn't been seen. I want to skip all that stuff. I don't really want to hope for something. I don't want to really hope for breakthrough. I just kind of want to have it. Right? Like, oh, yeah, let's hope. No, let's just have. <laughs> Sounds much better. I, I don't want to hope for a delicious cheeseburger for lunch. I want to have a delicious cheeseburger for lunch. I don't know about this whole hope thing. It doesn't sound that fun. I want to skip all this not seeing nonsense and get straight to the seeing. Anybody? Yeah. Anybody a little impatient sometimes? <laughs> this whole faith thing, what are we even talking about? Faith can be ridiculous and faith can be hard, especially when the facts of our life aren't lining up with the faith that we're trying to have. It's hard, especially when the facts of our life aren't lining up with the faith that we're trying to have. Faith, faith and facts, they got a tricky relationship. The faith you're trying to have, the facts of your life, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but sometimes they, they got a tricky relationship. They don't, seem to like, they don't seem to enjoy being in the same room at the same time. 
It's usually one or the other, not both. But the truth is, Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Truth is, by definition, if you can see something, you don't need faith for it. I want to have faith. For, I can have faith for things I can see all day long. If that thing's sitting right in front of me, right in front of me, I'll be convicted to the core that it's right there. <laughs> but by definition, if you can see something, you don't need faith. I'm not saying that's bad. That doesn't make that bad. It just makes it fact, not faith. There's a difference between faith and a difference between fact. And facts aren't bad, but they're just not faith. If you're like me, you want to have faith. You want to be a man of faith. You want to be a woman of faith. But when you look around your life sometimes, I don't know if this happens to you, but when you look around your life sometimes, you don't necessarily see a whole lot of facts that give a whole lot of evidence that you have a whole lot of faith. I want to be a man of faith, but sometimes I look around at the facts of my life and I think, there's not a whole lot of things pointing to me having much faith. The facts don't seem to point to my faith. Basically, just point to shortage, right? I can get discouraged by that. And in those moments, if you ever have those moments where you're wondering, do I have faith? Do I have strong faith? I don't know. Somebody just told me to have faith. I'm trying. Start looking around, and all of a sudden, you see that the facts aren't lining up with the faith that you're trying to have, and you start to hear these accusations in your head, or at least I do. If you're so full of faith, why hasn't this changed? Maybe somebody says it to you. If, you. if you just have faith, it would change. If you're so full of faith, why hasn't this changed? If you're so full of faith, why isn't this happening? Or why is this happening? If you're so full of faith, why is this situation such a mess? It's accusations. Anybody else? This is a me too kind of message. You hear these accusations, and, and if we're honest, sometimes we get stuck trying to measure our faith by our facts, and it can get kind of discouraging. We want to have a sense of revival. We want to see revival. We want to have a lens of faith and see the revival happening in our life, but sometimes we look around, and the facts don't line up with the faith, and it gets a little discouraging because we're trying to measure my faith by my facts. Anybody ever been discouraged like that? You want to be encouraged? Anybody else want to be encouraged? Because uh, this encouraged me. The measure of your faith isn't in your facts. It's in your fight. The measure of your faith in your life is not your facts that you can see. It's the fight that you've got. Come on, I'm trying to put some courage in you this morning. I think there's a reason that Paul, when he was writing part of the Bible, he's writing to this church, he said, I fought the good fight of faith. Fought the good fight of faith. I think it's a good reason it's called a fight of faith because the truth is, you try to live with a lens of faith in your life and the facts of your life are going to try to wrestle that faith right out of your heart and try to fog up the lens with which you're trying to see revival through. And you're going to have to fight for your faith. You have to fight to keep your faith. And the facts, they're going to try to wrestle it right out. They're going to try to fog up that lens. But you've got to have some fight in your faith. Amen? Amen. 
There's a gap between what the facts are and what the facts ought to be. And that ground we live in in the middle is called faith. Where I am and where it ought to be, jumping into that tension, jumping into that fight of faith. We want to see revival. We want to have a sense of revival. We got to look at life with a lens of faith, and we got to fight to keep that faith. Can't get discouraged when the facts aren't lining up. By definition, they can't. So we got faith for the facts to change, and when the facts change, we get to have faith for new facts. I started wondering one time, I wonder how simple, what's the word? I wonder how easy it might be to live by faith until you see the facts, and then just from there, live by fact. Think we can have faith for something, and the moment it comes, instead of being fueled to have faith for the next thing, we can stop and just rest in the facts. I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying there's more. We gotta fight. We gotta fight. And here, this will also really encourage you. It's not gonna get any easier. (laughs) So let's stop waiting for it to get easy and let's fight this fight. Amen? We gotta fight this fight of faith. Don't get discouraged by trying to measure the faith in your life by the facts of your life. Measure the faith in your life by the fight in your life. Regardless of what the facts say, when you have faith, you will see revival. You will. I'm convicted I'm going to see it. I'm going to see that thing God's doing. I'm going to see that thing God promised. I can't see it right now. I really would like to quit. But I got this conviction is making me fight i got faith gotta have some faith so if you're struggling do i have any faith in my life if you're still fighting for your marriage you've got faith if you're still fighting to get stable when all the facts of your life are just telling you a mess you don't have no faith because things are a mess you've got faith because you're fighting You're waiting for a situation to get better. As long as you're still in this situation, still fighting, you've still got a lot of faith. I know it's not changing. I know it would be easier to give up. And I know some people have probably told you if you just had more faith, it'd happen a lot quicker. But they're not in the fight. So unless you want to get in the fight with me, I don't have time to listen to what you have to say. Because i got to fight to fight. And you've got faith as long as you're willing to fight. I need to know that. As long as I'm willing to Get knocked down and get back up, that's some faith. You've got faith if you've got fight. You've got faith and you've got fight. And as long as we've got faith, we can see revival. Amen. Does anybody want to see revival? Anybody got a sense of revival this morning? You know the saying, you get what you pay for? Anybody? Anybody ever wish you would have just spent the extra money on the front end? Been there, done that. You do get what you pay for. And with the kingdom of God, and when it comes to revival, you get what you pray for. You get what you pray for. I'm going to go down a few verses here. And if I'm honest, I don't even believe all these sometimes as a pastor. Matthew 21, 22 says this. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. Luke 11, 9 through 10, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and it will, you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And here's just a doozy to wrap it all up. Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. What? We should start believing that stuff. I mean, it's right there. It is right there. When it comes to revival, you will get what you pray for. And sometimes prayer, we got to put up a little bit of a fight. I don't know why. I don't get it. I'm not saying I understand it all. I just know it's true. Ask and you will receive. If you haven't received, what's it going? Keep asking. Knock and the door will be open. I've been knocking. Just he didn't say it'd be open the first time or the second time or the third time or the 12th year or the 13th year. We're just going to knock because the door is going to be open. And I, I maybe, maybe it would open faster if I had more faith, but at least I got the fight to keep knocking. I'm not going to be your perfect man of faith, but I won't stop, God. You get what you pray for. And we are allowed to pray for a lot. Ha. <laughs> Those first four verses in, in each one of the Gospels, Jesus saying all of these things, ask and it will be given to you. And then he throws in Ephesians 3.20 in the Word of God and say, whatever you ask for, you're going to get, but really, I'm going to do more than you ask for, more than you think, more than you imagine. Let's get praying. If you want revival, you've got to get praying. If we want revival, we've got to have faith. And if you're looking at faith this morning and saying, yeah, I, I wish I had a lens of faith. I need some faith. If you want faith, if we want faith, we have to pray. Plain and simple. We have to pray. And now that I've brought prayer up this morning, I'm pretty sure that means we're talking about two of the most obscure concepts in all of Christianity in one morning. We're on a roll. Welcome. Welcome to the mess that is this morning. Prayer, faith, yeah, those two things make a lot of sense to all of us, right? Uh-huh. We're good Christians, sure. We're talking about faith, and now we're going to talk about prayer. Prayer is just like another one of those things, kind of like faith. We know that's great. We know we should do it more, right? New Year's resolution, I want to pray more. That's great. Why? Because I know I should pray more. I just, I know I should. We got this thing in us. We know we, know we should, and, we, and you want to pray more. I know you do, and I want to pray more. You, you want to pray more, and you would if you just knew how. How many times you ever asked that question? I just... Prayer sounds great. There seems to be people who are really good at prayer. I'm not one of those people. How do I do this? How do I, how do, I do this? I want faith, so, so how do we pray? How do we pray? I'm glad you asked, everybody. Because that's actually the next thing we're going to talk about. Look how that worked out. We're going to look at a great, a great man of faith to learn how to pray. His name's Abraham, and we're going to look at Romans chapter 4. So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Don't check out on me here, okay? I know we've covered a lot, but God's not done speaking to you this morning. Amen? Amen. Anybody believe God's still got something to say to you? Yeah. All right, tap your neighbor. Say, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. Awesome. God wants to shape your lens this morning. He wants to teach you how to pray so you can see revival. Romans chapter 4. We've referenced Abraham a lot in the last four weeks if you've been with us. Um, if, you, if you haven't, if you have, 
Still true about Abraham. God gives him this crazy promise about using Abraham and his wife to become a great nation and bless the families of the earth. The only problem with Abraham and his wife is that they are old and they're barren. They have no kids, and so they get this ridiculous promise. But even when the facts didn't line up with the promise, Abraham kept his faith. So if you've ever been in a position where your facts aren't lining up with your faith, Abraham's a good guy to look at. How did you make it through that? Because there's a lot of details there. He's like 75 when he gets this promise. He's like 100 and he still has no kids. So it's not that bad. (laughs) Romans chapter 4, 18 through 21 says this, in hope, so how how did Abraham make it through? In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. There's that hope. He was assured of his hope. He kept his faith, that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered, somebody say considered, when he considered, somebody else say considered, when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered, say considered, the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced, convicted of what he couldn't see, right? He's fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Abraham's facts didn't line up, but he, stepped, he kept faith. In fact, it says his faith grew strong in the midst of the facts not lining up. I need some of that. I need some of that. Abraham kept his faith. So so how did he do it? How did he not weaken in faith? How did he not allow his lens to get all cracked or fogged when the facts didn't line up? Anybody not want your lens to get cracked, fogged up when the facts don't line up? He, he, He fought. That's how he made it through. He fought. He fought to stay assured of what he was hoping for. Verse 18, in hope, he believed against hope. I don't even know how you do that, but he did it. I think that's just a way of saying, like, he just didn't stop hoping. He hoped against hope. He he fought to stay fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. He didn't spend his time considering his circumstances, He stayed convicted of God's faithfulness. That's how you grow in faith. It says he did not consider his own body. He did not consider his wife's body. He did not consider what wasn't happening around him. He didn't consider what was happening around him. He didn't consider how long it had been. He didn't consider how long he may have to go. He just worried about being convinced that God was faithful. His faith was strengthened by what he focused on. If you're wondering how to pray, I've got good news for you. If you know how to consider something, you know how to pray. If you know how to think about something, if you know how to dwell on something, if you know how to consider something, you're about on the level of prayer as Abraham. That's encouraging to me. He's like talked a lot about in the Bible. If you're looking to grow in prayer, if you want to pray in a way that builds your faith, Spend intentional time and effort considering God. Consider God. Consider his promises. Spend time considering God's ability. Consider, or spend time considering God's presence in your life more than you consider anything else. Spend more time considering, meditating on, exploring, thinking about, talking about God than about your circumstances. That's really good. Because if we're honest, 
We'll come to church on Sunday and consider God for an hour and a half, but the other six days of the week, all we're considering is our circumstances, and it's no wonder we want to quit. That's not how Abraham spent his time. He considered that God was faithful. Here's what I mean. I'll put it this way. I love Toyota Tacoma. Somebody shout, amen. I'm the only one. That's all right. If you got an extra one, I'll take it. I love Toyota Tacomas. I think they're awesome. It's like my dream car. And I've noticed, I've noticed that, that I, never, I seem to never see more Tacomas on the road than when I'm thinking about Tacomas. And about how cool it would be to have one. I see them everywhere when I'm thinking about them. Now, my question is, is it, are there statistically more Tacomas on the road when I'm thinking about them than when I'm not thinking about them? No. I highly doubt that. I guess it's possible, but it's highly doubtful. So in a similar way, is God more present in your life the more you think about him? No. no. But you will see him more. The more time you spend considering God, listening to his voice, sharing your heart and your mind with him, asking him, seeking him, calling out to him, the more your faith will grow. You want to grow your faith? Consider God. Your faith will grow when you consider him and when you pray and you will have, like Abraham, a growing sense of revival. You will have a growing sense of revival. As we finish up this morning, I'll do my best to finish us on time. Ready to go a little bit quicker than normal? I want to give you two practicals for how to have a lens of faith and learn how to pray. Number one, oh, these are so good. Read your Bible. <laughs> I came up with that pretty much by myself. <laughs> Read your Bible. Consume the Word of God. Consume the Word of God. There is no shortcut to being shaped by the Word of God. No one can do it for you. No sermon is going to do it for you. No podcast, no Bible school, no Bible reading plan or app is going to do it for you. There are a million and one tools out there for how to consume the word of God, and please use as many of them as you want. Just do it. No matter how many apps I've downloaded on my phone to read the Bible, it's never read the Bible for me. Weird how that works. Just like a hammer is not going to build a house for you by itself, we've got to pick up the tools and put them to work. If we want to see revival, let's be a people that go, that go to work and consume the Word of God. And as you consume the Word of God, consider the Word of God. I don't know about you, but I've gotten in that place before. I'm like, if I just read a ton of the Bible, it'll be that much better. Just the more the merrier. Pour it on. And that's great, that's true. It's great to consume high quantities, but not necessarily high quantities in and of itself because the Bible is not primarily academic in its purpose. It is primarily relational in its purpose. As you read the Bible, read as much as you want, but dialogue with God along the way as you read the Bible. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you read. Ask questions. Get curious. Think about it. Consider what you're reading. If you like to study stuff, then study stuff. You know, if you like to take notes, take notes. Write things down. Keep a record of it. Just engage with the Word of God. Don't just, don't just consume it, but we've got to consider it as well. Take notes. Talk to your friends about it. Read it together. Discuss what you've been reading on your own time. If you want God to shape your lens, 
You're gonna have to give them the time to do it, not just by consuming the word of God, though you do need to do that, but also by considering the word of God. Consume the word of God and consider the word of God. That's number one. Number two is also really deep. Start praying. You wanna learn how to pray? I'm gonna give you the best pastoral advice you've ever heard regarding prayer. Do it. Do it. It's maybe not the best you've ever heard, but it's for sure the best I've got. <laughs> do it. You just have to do it. I know you don't know how to pray. I know you don't know what to say. I know you get distracted. Me too. But let's just do it. Let's just do it. The best way to learn how to pray is just try it. Just try it. Just give it a shot. I may not have this morning for you the, the, the seven steps that will change your prayer life or four and a half prayers to a better life and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't have that for you this morning, but here's what I do know. I do know this. This is fascinating to me, and I think we ought to let this get a little bit convicting if we're honest, if there's some Christians in the room this morning, and I'll get there. The average American spends two and a half to three and a half hours a day on social media. Two and a half to three and a half hours a day considering what people they don't know have to say about things they don't know about. Two and a half to three and a half hours a day looking at pictures of other people's meals, dogs, kids, and fake life that didn't actually look like that. Two and a half to three and a half hours considering these things. Now, I may not have the fanciest prayer advice, but we can do this. So I'm going to shoot us, if you're a Christian in the room, I'm going to shoot you real straight, and me too. I'm going to shoot us real straight this morning. If we want to see revival, we're going to have to pray. There's no shortcut around it. We can talk about praying all day. We can say we should, we wish we would, we wish we could, we wish we knew how to do it. But if we want to see revival, we've got to pray. And if we're going to be honest, if we can just be honest for a moment, the excuse, I don't know how and I don't have time, no longer legitimate. Don't let it be legitimate in your life. Because the truth is it's not. It's not legitimate that you don't know how or you don't have time. Because we do have time. We got two and a half to three and a half hours worth of time. And if we'll give it time, we'll learn how. We're either going to do it or we're not. And all I know is that if you or I spend two and a half to three and a half hours a day on anything, we're going to get pretty darn good pretty darn fast. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Like anything in your life, two and a half to three and a half hours a day, you get really good really fast. Now, I'm not saying... Social media is bad. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying if you don't pray for two and a half hours a day this week, you can't come to church next week. That's not at all what I'm saying. Please don't, please don't take it down that road. I'm just saying the point I'm trying to make is that we can do this. Yeah. We can do this. And we can go the route of excuses or we can do this. Yeah. We can do this. Live with a lens of revival. Prayer is an invitation from God and I want to take them up on it. Yeah. If you want to learn to start praying... Start praying. So as we close this morning, we're going to run a couple minutes late, but it's okay, I guess. If you want to start praying, I'm going to give you this real, real fast. I'm going to give you three specific tools that are immediately accessible to you to help you live with a lens of faith. These are things that are available to you in your life right now that will help you if you choose to take part in them and if you're able to. Number one Last week, we ended the series and said, for, these, for this six-week series, every day, pray this prayer. Lord, give me a sense of revival today in everything I do and everywhere I go. You don't know how to pray? I just gave you one. Start there. Just start there. It takes like 
3.8 seconds. You can do it. You can do it. You can do that prayer. See, see what God might do. Pray that prayer every day. Every time you get in the car, you're about to turn on the radio, just pause. 3.8 seconds. Lord, give me a sense of revival today in everything I do and everywhere I go. Every time you're about to check your phone for social media, just pause for a second. Pray this prayer. And then flip all you want. But just, we can do it. Amen? We can do it. Begin pausing in your life and start there and start expecting God to change the lens with which you see. Number two, take advantage of this community. Take advantage of this community. If you're not in a life group, join one. We pray together and we're figuring it out. We're definitely not perfect. We're not pros, but we're trying. If you want to try to, join the party. If you're not in a life group, join one. When you meet with each other for discipleship or you meet with somebody for lunch or for, for coffee or play dates with your kids, take a few minutes and pray together. Just, just try it. I'm not saying go for two and a half hours. Just start at two and a half minutes and see what happens. See what happens. You can do it. And if it's possible, there's another, another part of our community. If it's possible for you, which I know it's not for everybody, and, and I, I know that, but, but if it's possible for you, make a habit of being at early morning prayer. I forgot to announce that at the beginning of the service, but we started a couple weeks ago. Thursday morning, 6.30 to 7.30 a.m., early morning prayer. You can be there. It is awesome. Whoever wasn't there the last two weeks, missed out. I ain't ashamed to say it. But if you can make it there at all, just make it. We're just trying. We're just trying. It's helpful to do stuff together. And there's a lot of opportunities in this community to just try it together. So you can try by yourself and cheering for you, but you can jump in and try with us too. Try with some friends. Number three, this is a practical tool you can use on your own. Tomorrow, uh, we're gonna add to our website on the resource page, a long list of verses and some small prompts that'll help you engage the word of God as you pray, that'll help kind of prompt you into prayer. So that's gonna be on our resource page tomorrow. If you wanna learn how to pray in your own time, just take one at a time and use it throughout your day. Use it, like I said, you get in the car, red light, whatever. Just start somewhere. Just start somewhere. That's the best prayer advice I got. But if we can pray, we'll see revival. If we can pray, we won't lose faith. If we can fight, we won't lose faith. If we got faith, we will see revival. Amen? Why don't you go ahead and stand up as we close this morning. If we want to see revival, we've got to live through the lens of faith. Last week when we ended, when we ended our, uh, oh, come on. <laughs> last week when we ended the message, I, I encourage you to take these six weeks and ask God, Lord, who are two or three people in my life that need the life of God in their broken world. Two or three people that you can be responsible and, and, and have the ability to bring revival to. Because like we said, Billy Graham doesn't need to come fill a stadium for your coworkers. He just needs you to fill this situation, right? So I just wanna, I wanna encourage you to keep those people in front of you. It's not a project, it's an act of love. Saying you, people need the life of God in their broken world. The people right around you and you've got what they need. I've got what they need. We've got what they need. We've got what our, what our city needs. Do you believe it? Yeah. We've got what they need. So I encourage you this week, be intentional with a couple of people in your life and carry some faith that no matter what you see, I know they told you no, they didn't want to get lunch. I know they said they hate church. I know they said this or that. They don't like you. That's what the facts say. But let's carry some faith that maybe God's ready to break into their broken world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. I want to pray for us as we close this morning. We're going to worship. 
one more time. And uh, during this song, I want you to ask God another question. I want you to ask God, Lord, what is some space I can create for you to fill in my life right now? What's some space? Really practical things. Just something small. Lord, what, what can I maybe take out of my life that creates some space for you to fill? What can I add to my life? What's a rhythm? What's a discipline I can add to my life to create some space for you to fill with faith? Can you do that? Awesome, all right. As we worship, let's bow our heads. I'm gonna pray for us. And just last thing, I know we're running late, but go ahead and bow your heads. If you're here this morning and you've never taken that step of faith to give your life to Jesus, you're hearing about revival and you know that you've never experienced the life of God in your broken world. If you need to give your life to Jesus this morning or maybe, maybe you've done it before and you've been wandering a long way off and you know it's time to get revived. It's time to come back to the life of God and get out of your brokenness. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand this morning. Just go ahead right now. Raise your hand. Amen. 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 Go ahead. That's great. I want to pray for you. It's a morning of revival. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We pray for our friends right here, Lord, who, who want to follow you. Lord, I ask the power of God over their life to come back to you and experience revival. Lord, I pray for every person in this room that we would live with a sense of revival. I pray that you would cleanse our lens this week, that we would live our life with a lens of faith in Jesus' name. As we, as we sing one more time this morning, Lord, I ask that you would put people on our hearts, and I ask that you would put practical steps in our minds that we can take this week for you to fill. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship one more song together.